Welcome to an episode of Bands and Botanicals, a unique podcast where a trainer and trainee talk about herbal medicine and fitness. We're your hosts. My name is Danielle Kreese, and I'm a certified personal trainer and owner of DC Fit. And we also have Paula Kirsch, who's an artisanal herbalist and owner of Botanically Curious. So let's go ahead and start the show. Welcome back, everyone. Hey, everybody. Today, we have an amazing guest, Tanessa Shears. She's going to talk about biohacking your body and specifically for entrepreneurs and, and business people. But we're going to find out if that could actually spread to kind of everyone. And I'm sure that it can listening to some of her stuff. But before we get into that, before we introduce her, we are going to go with our botanical oracle card. So today we have pulled St. John's wort, which is crazy because literally moments before we pulled this card, we were talking about St. John's wort. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, so in the month of March, we're going to be springing into our health. That's kind of the theme. And what better way to do that than with our guest today? And St. John's wort is uh, most commonly known for its mild effects with depression taken that way. You can actually use it topically for muscle soreness, so it fits really well into the fitness aspect of it. But it comes with the property of stabilize today, mostly known to stabilize you know, uh, mood and antidepressant issues and things like that. Uh, but the really interesting part is that it brings with it a clear mind and focused thoughts, which goes really well hand in hand with what we're going to be talking with, um, Tanessa about with biohacking and all of that yeah. stuff. Almost to a T. Yeah. <laughs> like what I've mostly heard, uh, Tanessa speak of is brain fog and how that affects our productivity and, and the book that she has recently written called focus. I mean, it just couldn't kind of fit more perfectly. So that being said, thank you, Paula. Um, I'm going to introduce our amazing guest. So she's a health consultant uh, and I believe specifically targeted towards entrepreneurs, right? Yes, that's right. Yes, which I think is awesome. She's the host and creator of her own podcast, the Becoming Limitless podcast. She's an author of Focus, Hack Your Sleep for More Productivity, Energy, and Growth in Your Business. She offers a free web class. I did my research on you. (laughs) (laughs) About optimizing the body and the brain. And I loved one of your quotes. So I was looking at your Instagram and I was, I loved something you said. And you said, it's about the idea that there is a version of you, an energy, a way of living that you didn't realize was possible before. And I think that's just such an incredible way to just open, open this, this episode. So thank you for being here. Welcome. (laughs) Oh, thank you for having me. I'm really excited to dive in today. And congratulations. You have a new ish daughter. (laughs) Yeah, she just turned she turned 13 months yesterday, so she's still newer. She's yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, congrats on that. I'm sure, um, you know, that's going to come into conversation a little bit here today. So first off, Tanessa, I wanted to say that I love that you are specifically working with entrepreneurs and that you're merging this conversation about health and about being also business oriented, because I feel like so often we feel like one of those things has to be sacrificed. Mm. Like if you're really focusing on your health and maybe you're not working so hard on your business and then you start to go into a shame spiral. But if you're really focusing on your business, then maybe it's okay if your health is going a little bit because you're like being productive and you're making money and you're making your parents proud. Or at least that's what I think (laughs) when I'm doing that. And I feel like that it doesn't have to be that way. You don't have to feel like you have to sacrifice one or the other. So what how did you get into this what is your story with with bringing these two worlds together 
Yeah, well, I opened my personal training business in 2014, and that's when I was doing like a lot of the fitness stuff. But as any business grows and you learn more, I was like, oh my gosh, when I start introducing nutrition concepts, their results got better. Oh no, wait, when I start introducing sleep, now look what happens. And then I was like, biohacking, well, heck, let's go with this. And all the results started picking up. And I was like, this is really neat. And there came a point about a year and a half ago where I look at my client base and I'm like, they're all entrepreneurs. Why is this? And when I started digging in, they're like, well, what I've learned is that, you know, by taking care of my health and specifically knowing that what I'm doing creates more energy on the back end, I can actually grow my business because of the time I'm putting into my health. And it's not something that competes with my time for my business. Mm. And so from there, it's such an, a wonderful uh, marriage of health and entrepreneurship. And that kind of intersects in the middle with biohacking, which is my specialty. That, yeah, that's mm-hmm. awesome. And I'm assuming Absolutely. you have also experienced this within your own life. I mean, using the sleep and the nutrition mm-hmm. and, and I know you have your pyramid, which we'll talk about a little bit later, but using those platforms, I guess, to help grow your own business as well. And then that experience kind of expanding. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I mean, like it got to the point where I was personal training and I was doing 33 client sessions a week and they are very physically demanding in terms of always being on and present and engaged Mm. and then you get home and there's so much that goes into you know the marketing and the programming and the back end and it it got to the point where I was like grabbing like bananas and things you can eat with your hands between sessions because I was trying not to eat on the floor and then you know just realizing that I had no time for life anymore Mm. and what ended up going was my workouts because the last thing I wanted to do being in the gym for seven eight hours a day Mm -hmm. was work out again Mm -hmm. and that's it all started as my business started growing and I was like I feel terrible I'm growing this whole business so that I can enjoy time freedom mm-hmm. and enjoy success on my own terms and I can't even enjoy the time I'm creating because I'm so tired so there has to be a solution to this and that's when I started you know really working on nutrition with myself and then biohacking my sleep and then as a result my husband and my sister are my my ongoing guinea pigs they always get everything first they're willing participants and when they jumped on board and got results I then look at my clients and I'm like who's up for something fun and there's usually always one or two that want to jump on something and try something new oh yeah I think so many people can relate to that because everybody's looking for a way to get more time doing the things that they like to do but you know everybody's got to make a living so it's really difficult yeah yeah and especially, I think, as a, as, a, as a small business owner in whatever capacity, I mean, Paula, with your business, like, mm-hmm. you have to do your research for your herbs. You have to create the blends. You have to think about how different things are going to fit together. And, I mean, as a personal trainer, I can resonate with what you said so hard. I mean, mm-hmm. you're giving of yourself so much that you get home and you feel like you can't give as much to your partner or you can't give as much to yourself because you're just depleted, yeah you're just exhausted so i i thank you for saying that because i don't know at least for me it makes so much sense and it it makes me excited because like i mentioned i just bought your book so i am hoping to implement some of the things we learned today from you and some of the things i learned in your podcast and your book so that i don't feel what you are feeling (laughs) yeah totally i think i think it came into really sharp contrast in the last year more than ever when I now have my daughter and like at the end of my day when I have you know six or seven calls that I work with clients and I still see a couple clients in the gym like when I get home at the end of the day I want to feel like I can get down on the floor and play with her and be there like I don't want to be that mom that you know 
collapses onto the couch under a blanket and needs Netflix because I'm so worn out for the day. I want to be there. And I found that like, if I miss that, because I don't want to put that little bit of time in here. I mean, that's just not the life that I personally want to sign up for. So it never came clearer than when I realized that that, those, that was the time I was creating, the energy I was creating was so that I could give it to her at the end of the day, which is what I want to do with my spare time. Mm. Yeah, I think that that really touches on some of those key points of why it's so important. But could you explain to our listeners biohacking, like what exactly that is? Because there's so many different little definitions or interpretations on the internet that people could look for. And then how, if they're not entrepreneurs, is this something that they should really be paying attention to? Yeah. (laughs) I think biohacking is applicable to absolutely everyone. My niche is just applying it to entrepreneurs. But what biohacking is is if you break the word down, it's hacking your own biology. It's using simple health solutions that can help increase your wellness, your energy, your productivity, your longevity, just how you generally feel in your body. And when I first heard biohacking, I was like, this sounds mm, illegal or something. Like, it sounds like, (laughs) what the heck is hacking your biology? Do I have to inject stuff? And while there is that whole side of biohacking that is very high tech and requires equipment and- and, Like a sci-fi movie. Oh, it totally is. However, there's also this wonderful side of biohacking that can meet you where you're at. Things like working on creating a sleep sanctuary for your bedroom in which is dark enough to promote enough dream sleep. Like it can be that simple as taking some time to get outdoors without shoes on during the day or eating foods that create a a healthy digestive system and a stable blood sugar. Like it can be things that we already consider, but the way I treat biohacking differently than I used to is that I am always measuring results and outcome. Meaning as my clients are entrepreneurs, they are busy. We already don't have time to fit more stuff into our schedule. So the way that I run my practice is I am constantly creating um, or collecting data so that I know that my clients are only putting energy in that yields a higher energy out. So Mm. I don't have them doing all these tasks if I can't directly measure the result. If we do something and you don't feel better, we're not wasting our time with that anymore. So that's kind of where I measure or marry the uh, data side of biohacking and the measurable side with meeting clients where they're at. Yeah, I love that because so often we see, you know, especially on Instagram, people are constantly selling consulting options for all kinds of things. But a lot of that ends up being spending more time doing and learning a completely new task than really uh, simple, simplifying. <laughs> Simplizing it all day. Yeah, right? <laughs> like it. Uh, yeah, totally. I mean, even when you think about just like, I have had clients come to me and they're like, yeah, I'm exercising six, seven days a week right now. And I'm like, do you know that you can get amazing results with less, more intentional activity? Mm -hmm. And it's like, let's look, is Mm -hmm. that six days getting you the best return? Or what if you went down to four and focused that time on getting better sleep? Like how would that affect and constantly changing those variables to get feedback on how you're feeling instead of just piling on more health hacks, which is what, you know, you go on Instagram and there's 40 different health hacks every time you open your Instagram feed. Right. Like what? actually works and are we taking the time every week to say what worked of what I did this week what didn't work and what am I going to do differently because every time you write what you're going to do differently that creates your roadmap for the next week so you're not wasting time yeah I mean and I loved you had one of um one of your posts was talking about uh not taking on or not feeling like you need to take on everything in order to create that change and 
I, you know, I feel the exact same way with fitness and I know that Paula feels the exact same way with herbs. We've talked about that. You know, if you hear about herbs, just don't go buy everything and, and try to just like experiment with every herb that you see at the, at the store and with fitness, like don't, or with nutrition or with those things that we're talking about, like don't try to change every aspect of your life because how is that setting you up for success? Mm-hmm. It's right. it's overwhelming and it's exhausting and it could right. be it could be such an intimidating thing to do to change so many things at one time that I loved that you're like, what little things can we change that make your life easier and that you could implement into your life a little bit easier? And then once those changes become comfortable, then we could move on to different changes. Totally. It's like the low hanging fruit approach. And that's why I love to start with sleep specifically because you're already doing it. Why not just do it more effectively by changing up maybe some of the things you do before bed, maybe the times you go to sleep, maybe Mm -hmm. manipulating some of the variables in your bedroom. But like we're already doing that. And I know for a fact that looking at my clients and myself, you get more bang for your buck with a high quality sleep than nearly anything else. Because I mean, try to eat a whole food nutrition plan when you are sleep deprived. It is very hard to resist food. Your your decision capacity goes down. Your ability to focus during the day goes down. You're more likely to skip your workout. So it's almost like why start there when we can rewind back and help you facilitate a wonderful sleep that creates what the energy and the, the willpower in the brain you need to make good decisions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. We could both use some of that biohacking because I literally woke up, I think, every hour last night Paula and I have had so many talks and sometimes she comes into sessions and she's exhausted because she's like, I just, I've been up since four and I didn't sleep the rest of the night. And and I kind of want to stay on that topic because I know your book is about hacking your sleep for more productivity. And I know that in, in your first kind of podcast episode, you talked about that pyramid that I had mentioned earlier and sleep was at the bottom. And then I think it was nutrition and food and it was managing stress and mindfulness and then the space in which you work. Yeah. And sleep seemed to be, you know, that foundation. Mm. So can you, can you give us a little bit more about that? You mentioned, you know, times to go to bed or are you getting the most efficient sleep you could be getting? Even if you go to bed at 930, does that mean you're actually sleeping through the night? What what are little tidbits and tips you could kind of give us for that? Yeah. So we all hear like, hey, we should get seven and a half hours of sleep. We should get eight hours a night of sleep. We all hear that. But one of the most fascinating things I found when I began hacking my sleep was, well, the first thing you have to do is find a way to measure it for one. So I think it is go without saying that everyone needs to invest in some way to monitor their sleep. It doesn't have to be expensive. I use the most basic Fitbit Inspire. It can be a fancier Garmin watch or an Apple watch or an Oura ring. There's so many options available, but having a, a, some way of measuring your sleep is the best investment you can make in your health because it all starts with sleep. It's like the idea of, of your, well, your brain doesn't get a printout when you wake up in the morning saying like, okay, well, yes, you got enough deep sleep. That was a great quality sleep, but your REM was a little lacking. We just have to guess. It would kind of be like trying to guess how much is in your bank account without ever being able to sign into your banking. You would just be like, oh, I don't know. I guess it was, I guess I have enough money. Yeah. You need a way of measuring it. So when I first started tracking my sleep, one of the things that I realized was that just because I close my eyes at 11 and wake up at 7, I didn't get eight hours of sleep. What is going on? Because I never knew before that your brain wakes up a little bit between sleep cycles. You know, when you toss and you turn. 
Or what about the time it takes your brain to get into sleep or when you're coming out of sleep? So when I look at my client's sleep data in detail, what I'm finding with my entrepreneurial client is in their night, on average, spending between an hour and an hour 20 awake each night. So you go to bed at 11, you wake up at 7, you might be getting 7 hours sleep, you might be getting 6.40, and as soon as you slip into that, you are actually considered sleep deprived. Mm -hmm. And what that does is it really affects your executive functioning, your alertness, your cognition, your ability to read facial expressions and body gestures and communicate, manage your own emotions, like so many things go on that sleep helps enable to make us better humans the next day, whether that be a mom or an entrepreneur or a wife or a partner or whatever that might be, right? So sleep is essential. So one of the first things I realized was, okay, if I need to be getting seven and a half hours sleep, that's what I figured was good for me after doing some testing, mm -hmm. and I am awake for 45 minutes each night, that means I need to allow for a sleep opportunity of at least eight hours and 15 minutes. So giving yourself a window enough to actually get the amount of sleep is the first thing that has to happen. It's certainly something I think speaks to a lot of people. And like you mentioned, just being able to control your emotions, doing all of those things. Uh, you know, I've looked into sleep a lot and it actually starts a lot with as soon as you wake up, like waking up and being mindful of when you wake up and what you're doing throughout the day and like how much caffeine you're drinking and how that attaches to certain aspects of your brain chemistry throughout. The I mean, it's just so complex yet, like you said, you know, my husband said this to me a million times. Well, you were sleeping for eight hours. I was like, no, it does not feel like I was sleeping for eight hours. Uh, you know, because you toss, you turn, you do all those things. Oh yeah. My husband and I had like five conversations throughout the night last night because <laughs> we were both just like, you're awake. Yep. You're awake. Yep. <laughs> so I'm going to learn from you. I'm going to learn. We're going to learn. We're going to learn. <laughs> yeah. So going off of that, I guess, once you get your idea of your sleep opportunity, we then need to know what happens during the night. So there are two primary, well, there's, there are several phases of sleep that happens, but two that are important. The first phase is deep sleep. So during this phase, your heart rate goes down, your blood pressure goes down, you get really heavy limb feeling. It's kind of like, you know, those people that say, I could have slept through, I don't know, a tornado. And those are the people, that's when you're in deep sleep. So deep sleep is really cool because it allows your body to restore from the day, whether you had a workout or whether you had a stressful day. It's kind of that repair process because growth hormone gets released. And then one of the most neat things I found about that deep sleep is during the night, your brain actually contracts and shrinks a little bit. And the fluid that surrounds your spine and your brain goes in there and cleans out like all the little like metabolites that accumulate throughout the day. This is important because it prevents, prevents things like dementia and it prevents mm. things like Alzheimer's, which is so important when we're thinking about clarity. So that's deep sleep. The other major component is REM sleep and that's rapid eye movement. It's when we do all of our dreaming. So our brain waves actually look like they're wide awake during REM sleep, which is super cool because our brain is, is is having illusions, I guess, or visuals of what is going on. It's having a dream, right? So what happens during that is it allows us to be more creative. There have been studies that show our problem-solving skills are enhanced with quality REM sleep. We are, like I said, able to read other people's facial expressions and body gestures better. There are so many things that improve, especially when it comes to, if you're an entrepreneur, you need to be creative. You need to be able to interact with your customers and your clients and realize when their body language has shifted so you can shift your approach. So all of this matters and it happens during the night. Now, most of our deep sleep happens at the beginning of the night, 
and most of our dream sleep happens at the end of the night. So here's where we run into problems. We decide one night to go to sleep two hours late because it's the weekend and we're watching Modern Family and we want to stay up a little bit late because it's kept me up. That. I love Modern Family. <laughs> so we stay up a couple hours late. So we might only be losing two hours of sleep, but we could be cutting out the majority of our deep sleep. Mm. So when we wake up feeling really groggy, one of the reasons may be that your deep sleep was lacking. The other thing that can happen is if you need to get up early one day, like we said, dream sleep happens on the other end. So if you get up really early, you cut out the majority of your deep or your dream sleep. So what happens is by consistently going to bed at different times and waking up at different times all week long, you are constantly living in what's called social jet lag. You are using your schedule to artificially give you jet lag. This is a problem. Your brain's not functioning as well as it should be. So the biggest tip I have and where I start with my clients is, hey, you need to be going to sleep and waking up at relatively the same time. I say plus or minus half an hour every day of the week, even weekends. And our brains like to go, what? No weekend staying up? No sleeping in on the weekends? Mm -hmm. Well, tell me how you're feeling Monday to Wednesday. You're three days of the week. You're feeling behind the eight ball all the time just to watch a couple episodes of Netflix. It doesn't mean it can't happen once in a while. But when we're looking at regularly our schedules fluctuate and how we're feeling during the week, they're directly correlated. And that's easy to change when you give your body consistent deep sleep, consistent dream sleep. Yeah, I think that's so great because so many people, you know, you hear the word jet lag and you're like, oh, I got jet lag because I was on a plane. It's mm-hmm. not because you were on a plane. It was because you'd shifted your entire schedule. You had to wake up early to get on that plane. You probably went to bed late, you know, and that's the aspect of it. And then, you know, um, yeah, just being able to focus more even if, throughout the day, even if you're going to sleep a little bit earlier, going waking up maybe a little bit later, whatever it might be the time that you do have awake doing things is going to be so much more, you know, valuable and effective throughout the day. Sound like an, a, a challenging thing to stay uh, committed to, uh, to be perfectly honest. Like I, I, my husband and I, we are pretty consistent in the week. Like I'm sure most people are. And then pretty inconsistent on the weekend, depending on what we have going on uh, or not that that much is going on these this past year but <laughs> even still you can make your own fun <laughs> right, yeah. but it, you know it do you think that that is that like a forever thing and and I I ask, I ask that truthfully because it does seem like an intimidating thing even if you really care and you want to be healthy it does seem like an intimidating thing intimidating thing to stay consistent with yeah well I always am of the belief that when you're fighting with your biology you always lose because can't change it so effectively what I like to compare it to is if you've ever say for example decided to cut out sugar and flour for like a month just to kind of really get your body back into a stable hormone balance balance your blood sugar start feeling really good and at the end of that you're like hey I don't get headaches anymore I notice my energy stable all day I'm not crashing after lunch like I feel really good I feel light I don't feel bloated all the time I feel so good The same is true when you realize what it feels like to wake up every morning with consistent energy Mm -hmm. and you are no longer wasting your days trying to catch up on that sleep debt that you create by shifting your schedule. So I always ask my clients, like when we get your brain to operating at 90% instead of the 50% it's always been at and you feel how good it feels to operate like that, do you want to go back? Right. There's there's a reason that there's a Starbucks in every corner in Manhattan 
And, you know, think about it this way. You save some money by getting better sleep. You're not buying 12 coffees throughout the day at $5 a piece. <laughs> Um, you know, and looking at you're saving yourself time and money when you kind of uh, shut down some of those other bad habits. And what an important thing to to keep reiterating, like you just said, uh, reiterating this point that we have been speaking of so much of the fact that I think we think that and I've been of, the, of this nature so much. Mm. Work all night if you have to pull it on. I mean, the amount of all nighters I must have pulled throughout university is insane, which I'm sure so many people have. I'm no one special, but mm. I the the rest of the day you'd get through that test and that was pretty much all you could get through. And it's like we have this idea that we need to work almost around the clock to stay productive or to stay creative or to stay successful. And you're telling us and what we're what you've learned and and what all these studies are showing is. I guess the exact opposite. Mm. Well, if you think of, think of going to bed late one night because you had to stay up, what is your productivity like the next day? It's usually you're staring at your screen for longer times and then mm-hmm. you're like, what was I even here to do? What am I doing? Or you're trying to remember a word or an email address. You're just like, what am I even doing? Mm. And you waste so much time in that brain fog where you're just like, I can't even think like I I had a really, really poor sleep a couple of uh, weeks ago and I had set out that next morning to write four newsletters. I woke up the next morning and I was a mess and I stared at my screen and that was the night that I stayed up till 1130 late for me to watch Yellowstone because I was like, just once in a while, we never do this. The next morning I stared at my screen and I just quit. I packed it in for the morning. I was like, this isn't working. Like that was, Mm -hmm. that felt good in the moment, but the fact is all of today is shot meaning i you know pushed my sleep a little last night and i'm going to pay for it in the entire day's productivity so what we think we're getting back in time you know cutting into our sleep to work you're cutting that out of tomorrow so it's not like it's it's a zero sum game right you're not winning by getting ahead those couple extra hours yeah you know listening to some of your podcasts and looking at the posts that you have on instagram you know the biggest thing for me some of the tips and tricks that you had put out there was those blue light blocking glasses because it's so hard to put down our devices or if we are wanting to relax at the end of the day by watching tv and as soon as i heard that i went out and i bought some i started incorporating that and it made a huge difference um but other than like blue light blocking glasses are there other tips and tricks that people can use to kind of get better sleep or to start working uh, on some of those biohacking tips? Yeah, like maybe some things you have in your toolkit that you have online as well. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Yes, like my double-sided Velcro, if that's what you're talking about. <laughs> I was at, that was the only one that I was very confused on. I was like, I need to know what this double-sided Velcro is for. <laughs> okay, so if we're talking about biohacking your bedroom specifically, I have my clients perform what's called the hand test. So you're laying in bed, it's time to go to sleep. Stick your hand in front of your face about six inches. If you can see your hand, it's too bright in your bedroom because light disrupts REM sleep the most, but essentially what it does is it enters your eyes. And there's some studies that show that it can actually enter your skin as well. Um, But any type of light, especially blue light, actually puts the break on melatonin. So melatonin is the hormone that like signals like, hey, sleep time, everybody shut down, let's go, it's time to sleep, right? So if your bedroom has led lights that are on like i have a sono speaker that light stays on all night so i have black electrician's tape that goes over the top of that light Mm. my phone charges in a drawer because for some reason when it reaches full charge a bright green light goes on 
All mm-hmm. of these things can wake you up. Even if you're not waking up, we're seeing those little micro wake-ups during the night, and this disrupts the quality of your sleep and increases your amount of awake time. Now, where the Velcro comes into play, we all know that blackout blinds are a good thing, like the roller blinds that pull down, blackout curtains that go in. However, if you've ever performed the hand test, you can still see your hand. So where the Velcro comes in is I stuck it on the edges of my roller blind and stuck it to the wall on both mm. the my daughter's and our roller blind. So what it essentially does is it seals out the light that seeps in through the sides that is going to be waking you up, especially in the summer months. We get right out here, 5 a.m., mm-hmm. even 4, 4, early summer months. Like, I don't want to wake up at that time, and I'm an early morning person. I'm up at 5.30. I don't want to be up at 4.30. So if anyone is of the chronotype or their mm. rhythm has them sleeping till 7.00, that's problematic if you're constantly being woken up on some level by light. So I use the double-sided Velcro to actually seal my blinds to the wall. Yeah, I love that because that's definitely something. um, I've got really thick thermal curtains, but at the very top, it lights up my entire ceiling because my house is east-facing. And so in the morning when the sun rises, you know, the ceiling is pure white. And so it just lights up the rest of the room because there it comes through. So that's a, yeah, that's a great one. Yeah. yeah, another good one for that, if you're talking about curtains, if you if you really want to biohack and you're really sensitive to light, some people are less than others, I just roll up a towel and pop it along the top there because mm-hmm. you can't really Velcro where the rod is to the mm-hmm. top, but you can put just a rolled up towel there if you're really sensitive to light. That's a good solution for that. Nice. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, that is great. Um, I actually, kind of going into, stepping a little bit away from the sleep, um, and kind of that next little platform you had with the nutrition. And I just wanted to touch on that a little bit because I wanted to bring in maybe some of the herbs and see if you ever implement any herbs into your nutrition. And, and I, that's totally Paula's realm. So I'll let her take that away. But I think I would love to learn about what you have to say and what you have to say. <laughs> I mean, as far as the sleep or I mean, sleep, <laughs> as far as the nutrition goes, my platform on that is very simple. It's Did it grow from the ground or have a mother? If yes, it's a whole food that is usually a good food to eat. And what I love the idea of is eating whole foods at least 95% of the time. So there's room in my diet for, you know, a pizza and for chocolate and stuff like that. But it's planned ahead of time. And it's on a specific day that I intentionally set. I have taken out my emotions response to food, Mm. meaning like if I'm bored, I don't. If Mm -hmm. I'm feeling frustrated with work, I don't eat. That's like not my, I'm trying to unpair that. So that's super important to make sure that the food and that relationship can be separated out so that I'm eating to fuel my body and not to, I guess you could call buffer away an emotion. So that's what I find a lot of the eating is. And so when I intentionally plan like a sugar and flour meal ahead of time, then I know that that's intentional from my logical brain and it's not an emotional response, so to speak. So having said that, when I actually look at my food, what I'm doing is I'm wanting to reduce inflammation. So one of the ways I do that is by eating foods most often that keep a stable glycemic index or glycemic variability. So when we eat, depending on the food, blood sugar goes up and the hormone insulin goes up. And when they crash, so does our energy and sustained high insulin, that's the hormone that responds to blood sugar, sustained high insulin can cause a lot of inflammation. So what I like to do is choose foods most often that keep our blood sugar stable, keep that roller coaster of blood sugar up, blood sugar down from happening. And that means including healthy fats, 
protein, plenty of vegetables. And then I usually have a meal at the end of the day that has like, you know, my starchy carbohydrates. So that'd be rice or potatoes or quinoa or something like that. But making mm-hmm. sure that I'm sticking to those foods most often. So I'm not getting those energy crashes midday. And especially the one that comes after lunch. That's what I find people usually have like a really big carb heavy meal and then crash and can't get anything done for the rest of the day. Mm. Yeah. I love mentioning that because on the platform of entrepreneurs, business, being effective in the workplace, it drives me insane when I see business owners buying donuts for their employees on Fridays. First of all, everybody knows Friday's productivity in the workplace is like maybe 50% if you're lucky just to start. Then you're giving them something that's going to cause inflammation. It's going to cause a crash in the middle of the day. They're going to hit that wall, you know, all of those things which is going to lower your productivity. So why are you investing time and money into something that's not going to benefit you or your employees? It's just like, you know, yes, small little rewards every so often. I understand that, but do it in a smart and effective way where it's not costing you money. You know, that one box of donuts because you want it to be cheap and get, you know, sugar and get them all excited. That was maybe five bucks is probably going to cost you a couple hundred, if not thousands of dollars throughout that day, because you're not going to have productive workers. You're not going to be productive within yourself. Even if you have, you know, I used to, as an entrepreneur, have tons of business meetings all the time. A lot of those business meetings were around meals and going to meal after meal after meal or doing some of those things, you know, just being really conscious of how that's affecting your body. And it goes the same into, we've mentioned this on the show before, uh, the herbs or the way that you incorporate herbs through the day, depending on how you feel when you wake up in the morning. You know, if you're if you're really hot, anxious already, maybe you didn't sleep well, some of those things, understanding that and then incorporating herbs that are not going to make you more anxious throughout the day that aren't going to get you overly agitated, you know, or if you're really tired and sleepy, don't drink chamomile tea for breakfast because that's just going to calm you down more. You know, little things like that that I loved because you said, you know, some of the big proponents like inflammation, fatigue, low energy, all of those things, we we can use herbs to really biohack some of those things in a way where if you know energetics, this is why when I uh, went through my herbalism kind of uh, instruction and doing some of that, energetics was so important because if you understand where your body is, it's such a shifting, moving kind of state that, you know, look at yourself that morning, just take five minutes in the morning, write down how you're feeling, how your body physically feels, how you mentally feel, and then decide what you're going to be choosing throughout the day. You know, we talked about adaptogens like go to cola. You can get adaptogens that aren't highly um, stimulating, like you know, a, a go-to cola is great for mental clarity and it's a lot more calming. You know, everything I see now has ashwagandha root in it. We talk about it a lot. It's fantastic for your health, health, but it's also very stimulating and warming a lot of the time. And so if you know these things about your body, you can make sure to incorporate some of those. Um, and then just some of those herbs that we don't even think of as herbs like sage or parsley or you know, some of those sage is really great for cognition, improving cognition throughout the day. And there's been some research of how it's really beneficial um, for staving off like Alzheimer's disease and some of those things. And so just putting that in, if you're not, if you're not a tea drinker, putting it in with maybe um, the salad dressing that you're using or some of those things are small mm-hmm. little ways that you can incorporate herbs into your uh, daily routine. Of course, you want to get more fresh, vibrant herbs to get that benefit. But yeah, I love that because 
it, as small as the thing we choose to eat in the morning, you know, whether we are drinking coffee all throughout the day because we're exhausted and how that attaches within our brain chemistry to then allow us to get even worse sleep the next night, you know, all of those things really need to be taken into consideration. Ever uh, implement any herbs, um, Tanessa, into, into, you know, biohacking sleep or anything like that? Yeah. I don't have the most vast knowledge of herbs, so to speak, but mm-hmm. I do use chamomile tea at night on a day where if I've had like a lot of client calls. So a good day, for example, is Tuesday. It's usually like a six or seven hour day and my adrenaline usually runs all day and I find that I need a little extra help to calm down at night. So I find that the chamomile tea is a really good choice for me for that. Um, I mean, beyond that though, I haven't really explored it very much. I, what would you recommend as like the top two things to recommend to entrepreneurs as far as helping them get to sleep or to focus during the day? Right. So going back to energetics, you always want to look at, you know, are you in a cold state? Are you kind of already relaxed? Um, or are you really in a hot agitated state? How is your body? Are you a person that really is more drying where you're always adding lotion, always drinking a lot of water? Or are you more moist where, you know, you maybe hold water in your body and your legs? So those are things to kind of consider before choosing an herb because the energetics of it. But, you know, everybody mentions chamomile. So I I have a few on here that aren't like valerian, valerian root. That's a really great one. It's warming. It's drying. It's it's got a great relaxing effect to it. And um, it actually, like you mentioned earlier, it helps with uh, (laughs) it's antispasmodic. So if you're working out. Um, you hold tension in your shoulders when you're sitting at your desk. Some of those things where you go to bed and you realize that a big proponent of your sleep is because you have back issues. Valerian root is good for that as well. So those are some things that to take into consideration because a lot of entrepreneurs sit throughout the day. And then if you're not stretching, if you're not moving your body, you can very easily get back issues at an early age. Uh, motherwort is a great one. This one's more cooling. So if you know, like I mentioned before, energetics, which one to choose, this one's going to kind of relax the body, relax a lot of the muscles. It's really sedative in that way. Um, it engages your parasympathetic nervous system and eases nervousness. So if you're a person who sits there at night and you keep replaying the day over and over and over in your head, uh, which happens a lot with entrepreneurs or people who just have a long laundry list of things to do. Motherwort is really great. You can use it as a tincture and get it online if you're not as savvy with herbs and just looking for something that's um, organic or all natural like USDA certified. Um, also, you know, if you're just looking for overall relaxing in the muscles, this one's a great one as well. So tension, headaches, you know, motherwort's great. Um, And then people know a lot about lemon balm, and that one is another cooling, drying one uh, that's great in teas, but it helps with ADHD. So if it's not the replaying throughout the day, but it's the, oh, I can't go to bed, I've got this one more thing. Oh, I can't go to bed, I've got this one more thing. And you just keep kind of jumping from thing to thing without being as productive at the end of the night, which sometimes happens to me where you just can't stop. Um, lemon balm is great. You start drinking that after dinner and it starts slowly easing into that calming, releasing state. Um, it releases excess heat as well. So if you're one of those people that doesn't sleep because you get a lot of, um, you just wake up really hot in the middle of the night, or maybe you're in that stage of life where you get like hot flashes, that's a really great one. Um, and then it elevates your mood. So lemon balm will elevate your mood. So we're coming into spring where we're not quite there yet for a lot of places. 
And so that seasonal affective disorder that ends up happening, uh, this one's great. So if you're already kind of um, feeling a little bit of that depression, this one is, is a good one to use as well. It's a couple few, <laughs> couple few. <laughs> Remember, just choose one. Don't feel like you need to go for all of them at once. Think right. about your body. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I, before we uh, kind of started wrapping things up, me being a trainer, I didn't even realize you were a trainer at the beginning of your career. So that's so awesome. I have seen how, uh, you know, through some of your posts and stuff, how dedicated you were um, to feeling like yourself again. And, and I, after you had your daughter, and I loved the language you used because you talked about being excited to see your post baby body. And I am not a mother, so I can't relate to that aspect, but so much of what I do hear from people is fearing the post baby body or fearing like a lot of stress around it or a lot of pressure around it. And I loved how you put kind of that positive spin on it of being excited to see it, of, of being excited about what it just did and how it could bounce back and what you could do for it. And, you know, since you were a trainer and now you are this kind of expert or this, this biohacker of your biology, what have you learned in regards to fitness um, and how you could kind of perform better or feel better? Or what are some lessons that, that you've acquired along the way um, in regards to your exercise and your biohacking? Yeah, well, I think one of the things that I learned was that even knowing what I know and even as going into the whole process, like I was pre and postnatal certified as a personal trainer. I had so many, we had a joke going on in my practice for a long time that like, oh, if you want to get pregnant, go train with Tanessa because like seven of my clients were pregnant. It was just this <laughs> ongoing joke. So even having known what I knew and the training that I had, when you get to the other side of it, like you're, it, it's fascinating to see this body that doesn't look like your own. And I posted photos of my body, what it looked like, like six hours post, 17 hours post. And people were shocked to find that 48 hours, you still look completely pregnant. So showing that as like a, this is real life. Like you still look pregnant for a while after. And you know, we were always sold this idea that the weight drops off with breastfeeding. Well, that was not the case with me at all finding just how to work that back in and you're so you're so eager to get back to your body just naturally because this is it's a very foreign feeling not being familiar with yourself in such a rapid timeline you know it's not like it happens slowly over years it's like eight months and usually it's all in the last four months mm -hmm. so what I did was I was like I got the clear to go back to exercise from my uh my OB but I, what happened was my body wasn't fully ready yet. So I ended up starting just light exercising, like on the bike, some core stuff, all stuff I had been trained to do actually at six weeks post. And I ended up with two prolapses, which I don't think anybody talks about. And it is right. so important to know. So prolapses, if your audience hasn't heard about it, it's essentially when either, you know, your bladder or your uterus or some organ that is now actually starts falling in a little bit and it happens to 85% of women. Hmm. Most people are symptomatic. And I didn't know this until I started actually seeing a pelvic floor therapist. And she had to teach me how to engage those muscles in a way I've never understood before. And that my training pre-baby actually had set me up for those prolapses. I used to be a power lifter by trade. And if you know anything about power lifting, you are lifting like, you know, 225 for sets of three deadlifts and stuff like that mm -hmm. and you brace your core mm -hmm. my pelvic floor had become so tonic that come this time it was completely weak and these are things I didn't know and coming out of it and having to learn about my body again was like oh 
this is a whole different body than it was before I got pregnant. And that really allowed me to have that softness with myself and be like, I have to learn everything again. And I talk really frankly with my clients, like, even though I'm back to my pre-baby weight, when I'm on my spin bike in the mornings and I catch myself in the mirror, my skin hangs differently. Mm -hmm. I mean, that skin is not going to go back to what it was. It is crepier, it is looser. But what I've come into is the idea that this body is meant for different things now. It can still be beautiful. And I often find that when I see myself in the mirror, I, instead of criticizing myself, I take that approach of seeing like, oh, there you are. Mm. There you are. And just watch, watch that my criticisms don't, don't gain the, the momentum that we allow them to when we start picking ourselves apart. It's just learning what my body went through and how you know we're so excited to get back to where we were that I actually caused myself harm. And not on a big scale, but enough that I had to get treatment for it. Like It's one of those things that like there's so much care that has to go into how you treat yourself mm-hmm. post. And that goes more to do with your brain because we don't go back to exercise otherwise than to get rid of all the weight we gained. Right? Like what if we just went back to it because it's making us feel good or we get that 20 minutes of peace where we don't have a baby attached to us. Like mm-hmm. this, it's a big journey how you think about your body that changes it's no longer just appearance. It's like, I have so many better things to do with my body and my brain now than just exactly what it looks like. Cause that skin's not going to go back no matter mm-hmm. how many squats I do. Yeah. And just learning of what is and not stop fighting it all the time. Huh. Yeah. I love that. And I love that you shared that because It's so important. So many people are worried about getting back to this point they were before when in reality, you know, a lot of people make that conscious effort of I'm going to have children now. We're going to move into this other stage in life. And you know that it's you keep saying another stage in life. A lot of the time when people phrase that of like a new chapter, a new whatever it is. But I but I want this new chapter with the old body or I want this with that. And you can't really, everything's moving forward if you're moving forward in life and you're, and you're making those changes. And it is, you know, we put way too much pressure on ourselves as women and especially as mothers to, you know, be this ideal, idealistic view of whatever we have in our heads or whatever society is telling us. When in reality, you know, if, the more that you push past where you should be, you're going to injure yourself. You're not going to be there for, you know, your, your new child or your partner or whatever it is and it's so important to just take that time and and ease into it and it's you know nobody else has to live your life but you so you know we're not living for other people and just remembering those things and I really appreciate you sharing that because it is it is really difficult like even just going back to sleep I mentioned to Danielle before we started we were talking about how sleep is such a factor I realized after I had my daughter I could hear my partner just breathe differently throughout the night and it woke me up because biologically now that I had had a child my body and my mind and everything was trained to listen to these small nuances because I had a baby to protect and so you know nobody talks about those small things that moms go through and how it totally shifts you know all these things throughout your body but yeah I think that's it's interesting yeah, and I think that's a beautiful message to end things on as well. I mean, we've talked about such amazing things and and to just end with that self-love and positivity, I think is perfect. And we've learned so much already from this, but where can people find you? Where can people, is there anything that we should look out for before we wrap things up that uh, is exciting for you, something coming up? Ooh, something coming up. I don't think there's anything new coming up, but I have a resource which I do love to share um, because 
when people get started in biohacking, it's kind of like, well, I heard all those, but I don't exactly know where to start. So I've actually compiled my top 12 biohacks to help improve your energy. And it's just 12 ways to, or 12 ways to biohack your energy. And it's basically a PDF that just gets together, you know, all the best parts of biohacking and how it can improve your mornings. It's like the top 12 things that I'll start with my clients because they're the most effective, but I put that all in one place and you can download that at tenessashears.com slash energy. But beyond that, I hang out on Instagram all the time at Tenessa Shears. And then of course my podcast becoming limitless is where I put out my content every week, all the fun stuff, all the biohacks. Awesome. Well, yeah. Thank you so much. This has been such an eye opening conversation. Yeah, and um, yeah, next time we do something, I think we'll have to have you back on for some of those other tips and tricks and fun things. Oh, yeah, we only hit the first three of that, yeah. <laughs> of that pyramid. <laughs> so thank you one last time, Tanessa, and peace and love, everybody. And just as a reminder, any ideas or topics discussed during this podcast should not be a replacement for any type of medical advice. Although Danielle is a certified trainer and I have a knowledge of herbal medicine, any decision to incorporate an exercise or herbal remedy is always your own.